Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 133, Breaking All the Rules, an interview with Samuel Parker, coming to you on Thursday, March 21st, 2019. I have to tell you, I did make that title very on purpose as a way to suck you in so that you would listen at least to these first few seconds. Why? Because near the end of the interview, we talk a little bit more about Samuel's process for writing his books. We talk about a lot of really interesting things that I, I won't rehash for you. It's a really interesting interview. But it's really important for you to know that somebody out there, and not just one person, but Samuel is telling you his story of all the things that he does as a writer that are not according to the rules of writing as we have been told them. So if you are thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe this isn't for me, maybe I'm not a real writer because I don't do it you know, the way these books say to do it, just give this interview a listen because I think that you will be encouraged that however you craft your stories, that's the way you do it. And that is the, the right way for you to do it. Now, if they're not good stories, then there are changes that you are going to have to figure out where to make them. But if you are making good stories the way you do it, if you only write one day a week, or if you don't have an outline, if you do this or don't do that according to some rule that you heard or read in a book, that does not necessarily mean that all else in front of you is failure and you should just give up or conform because that's not what creativity is about. So I really want to urge you, keep listening to this interview. Everything that we talk about having to do with the book and um, writing process and, um, you know, like going to a foreign country to do some research, that was also interesting. But I thought that one of the best parts is just the encouragement that however you do it is okay. And you should keep on doing it. Don't give up. <laughs> now, some of you are not thinking that you're going to give up. You're thinking, I have so much to do. How can I get get more done or, or um, figure out a way to master all of the pieces that I have to do all at once, the marketing, the writing, the editing, the, the social media. Um, so we don't talk a lot about that, <laughs> not in this episode, but there's a lot of really great stuff that you listen, that you learn when you're listening to another writer talk about what they do and how they do it. So I think that no matter where you're at in your writing journey, you are going to find some really interesting things and it's just fun. It's just fun to listen to writers talk about writing, which is why you listen to the podcast, right? So once again, you are in the right spot and let's just go ahead and listen to Samuel now. Today's guest is Samuel Parker. Samuel was born in the Michigan boondocks, but was raised on a never-ending road trip through the U.S. Besides writing, he's a process junkie and the ex-guitarist for several metal bands you've never heard of. He lives in West Michigan with his wife and twin sons. Welcome, Samuel. Hi, uh, thanks. thanks. That's uh, very nice to be here. It is great. I am so excited because you've got to be like three out of four of the last authors I've been interviewing are from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of us here and it's a good community. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you have a preference, you know, Michigan State Spartans versus U of M Blue. You know, I don't. My family, my parents are originally from Kansas. So I was raised on a different sports paradigm than <laughs> most U of M, MSU fans here. Yeah. Well, that's good then because you have no fights with anyone from Ohio State. I do not. I do not. <laughs> no. I've heard the stories though. Right, right. You know, it's so funny. Um, my husband and I have traveled to uh, Australia and New Zealand as well for work and California for work. And now we're in Sweden for work. And mm -hmm. what happens? The church that we decide to go to there's a fellow there who went to Ohio State University, yeah. and here we are from Michigan. I'm like, this is like a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? That's right. That's right. Well, listen, let's talk about your book. At the very moment you and I are talking, it is really brand new. Probably the books are still hot from the press. Mm -hmm. And um, by the time that everybody else hears us talking, it will still be out for less than a month. So um, your new book is called Border Sun. Mm -hmm. And I was about ready to say something about it's a insert genre here. And I thought, you know what? 
it's different enough from different things that I was going to say that I thought, let me just let you introduce oh, it. No, I'd, I'd like to hear what you say. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to see what you say about it. Uh, I would call it a suspense thriller. Uh, it doesn't follow the same uh, kind of template that a lot of thrillers do, uh, yeah. where there's nobody in the CIA. <laughs> there's nobody uh, in any of the three-letter government agencies. There's... Uh, there's no police. Well, there, no, there is a police officer. There is a, let me take that back. There is a DEA agent, but he's a minor character and not really reputable. Um, yeah. So, uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't have that. It's not the kind of the standard uh, build up crescendo three times and then a big ending. I mean, it, it doesn't really have that. I'm not, I'm not really a reader of that type of, of uh, story. I like different things and more nonlinear type writing or just point A to point B and let's call it good. Um, yeah. And uh, so that's kind of what I gravitate towards reading. It's really a type of films I like too. Um, I think uh, both of my previous books have been optioned for film and- um, Congratulations. Thank you. And so I was able to help out with the screenwriting process for the first one. And I think my writing translates to script a lot easier because that's just how I think. Um, yeah. I try to describe it to somebody before how my thought process goes, and it's almost almost like like storyboarding. I think in scenes and almost like a comic panel, and so that's and then I write to that, and then I just kind of link scene to scene to scene. And so I think if it doesn't really fit in the normal thriller type yeah. uh, type mode, so maybe that's why you're. I try to describe it the same way and you're kind of, you know, around the edges, like it doesn't really fit in very, it's not so unique that it's like, oh, nothing's ever been done like this, but it yeah. just, I don't really follow the, probably the tried and true formula, which I think works, that's why people do it, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, so a, a little bit different and I just, I like different things about stories than, than probably a lot of writers uh, yeah. go, go for it. I just. I really like that dramatic scene or that poignant moment. You know, it's almost like I, I kind of like those parts of film, really. Yeah. Um, you know that you ever see that film, uh, The Good and the Bad and the Ugly? The old yes. one Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And then there's that scene at the end where there's there's three there's three in this gunfight, and it's not like a whole minute of just them moving their eyes. You know. Yeah. But it's just. <laughs> So I think of that as like, that has got to be the most boring concept. Like, we're going to stand here and stare at each other. Yeah. But it is incredibly intense, the way it's, the way it's shot and the way it's told. So that's, that's kind of what I like. I like, you know, something simple, but then you just build it up into a lot of intensity. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things that I liked so much about this book was that it didn't, um, like you said, there are, um, there are certain kinds of structures that you see a lot in major genres and yours was not obviously that structure, but there were so many moments that you were just like, holy cow. I'm, I'm just uh, like, if I'm reading, you know, fast because of all the action, like I can feel my brain just sort of pause for a minute and go, whoa, I'm not so much surprised that that happened, but wow, that happened and it happened right now. And like, it just kind of makes me, it's similar to the anticipation and buildup that you might get in a film that with music and cuts and stuff, mm -hmm. even though, you know, the gunfighters haven't actually started shooting, there's this intense anticipation that, you know, who is going to be the first one. And mm -hmm. you kind of have that in your writing with, um, but with so many scenes, it, there wasn't like an, an obvious midpoint that I knew, oh, because sometimes you can just tell, I'm like, this has got to be the midpoint. I'm pretty sure I'm at the beginning, the middle of the book. Oh, look, yes, I am, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, um, it's the buildup, I think, which makes an interesting story. Uh, and my brother, my brother was in Afghanistan for a year, and he told me that one time they were out on patrol and he was behind a wall, his whole group was, and they were getting shot at, and they had to run across this road and down into a ravine, one by one, one after the other. And I'm thinking that moment of sitting behind that wall waiting for your turn must have been the worst moment of just, I would have been scared to death. Yeah. And, uh, and he talked about it with that, with that army speak of, you know, uh, you know, hoorah and all that stuff. Yeah. But I thought, you know, the running part 
your mind would just be blank. You'd be just running. But waiting is the worst, I think. And uh, uh, I think for writing, especially with action sequences, you want to get this, you know, big cinematic boom, you know, explosions and action and stuff like that. But the real tension happens in just waiting for it. Just right. waiting for the action to happen is where the tension is. Yeah. And I can tell that you, as a writer, really believe that because there were so many parts where I wasn't, it wasn't like the boring kind of waiting, like when is something going to happen? It was like, you just kind of, you, you draw out what's about ready to happen enough that I'm like, oh my gosh, well, is it going to happen right now? Right now? Next page? Like, I just like keep hitting the button on the Kindle going, yeah. okay, yes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so like in the story where Edward... Uh, the main character, he's he's got to go to Mexico, and he's he's heard the stories, and he it's it's a it's a foreign country, you know, to him, uh, in all sense and purposes. And at that time, that he's sitting there looking across, saying, "I I have to walk across," and he's scared. Well, there's um, a story when I went down to uh, to cross the border in New Mexico, and I parked my car, and I was going to walk across. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I was like, because I had heard stories of, you know. The stories. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I want to walk across. I'm going to be in a gunfight. There's going to be just it's going to be anarchy and war, and absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> you know, the sun was out. I walked around for about you know a while. It was nice. I took pictures. Um, the only unique thing was there was this little little dog who uh, looked like a stray. Just started following me around for about a couple blocks, uh, kept his distance, but I was looking for probably something food or whatever, and that was it. Uh, there, was, <laughs> there was no excitement. There was, but I remember that, just that waiting, because you don't know. I mean, that's, I think, that's what suspense is, right? Your suspense right. Is, is you have to act when you don't know what's going to happen. And I mean, if you know what's going to happen, then it's not really suspenseful, like, uh, you know, I know the person's going to be okay. I think that's why uh, this new type of writing is happening on happening where you know main characters just die off. You don't know who's going to survive or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the new thing, right? Um, right. Because but if you know they're going to be fine, then there's you know what's what's the point? You know it's not going to be suspenseful. So yeah, I I do like that. I think I I dwell in that moment the most in my writing is is thinking about what people are thinking when they're scared and have to do something. Yeah. You know, it's funny because um, John and I lived in Arizona for seven and a half years. And again, you have all these stories in your head, um, some of which later you start thinking, where did I ever hear that story? I wonder if that's from a movie and not from real yeah. life. Exactly. But then there's, yeah. But then also there's those real life stories. And then, you know, later, you, again, you're thinking, wait, is that a one in a million real life story? Is this an everyday real life story? But for the whole time that we lived in Arizona and California, we have never been to Mexico because we were always like, for, we always both kind of laughed that I have some sort of mark on my face that says easy mark. Yeah. <laughs> so it just seems like a bad idea to take me anywhere that, you know, could possibly be the wrong place for me. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's you know the problems with stories is you only hear certain stories. You know, you don't yeah. hear the full spectrum of the community and the culture and stuff. You really have to take your time. You, it's you, you know, we, we get it in, in sound bites, right? We get the news feeds and and the, the Facebook stories and all this stuff. I, um, so it, to to really understand though, you have to read deeper. You have to realize what what the culture is like the communities are like even on even on the north side of the border you know the communities in in the u.s are just really unique and vibrant and interesting you know there's i think it's a great place in the country to write with unique characters you know because there's a lot of there's a lot of eccentric people uh, in, uh far away from the cities <laughs> right that so, does make sense yeah so, uh, you know, it's, uh, they're either eccentric because they live away from a lot of people or they live apart from people because they're eccentric. I don't know what, <laughs> what comes first, but uh, so right. yeah, you meet some really interesting people and interesting, you know, uh, I love driving around the Southwest, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico. Uh, 
I just start drive around and you just the ideas just start coming flowing. That's so funny because um everybody has their place, their place that they tend to, to write in, you know, Stephen King writes in Maine. I, maybe because I miss Michigan, I write in Michigan, maybe just because I spent my entire formative, you know, five to 25, uh, you know, life there. Um, that's, that's my place. But so I think it's a little bit funny to me as a Michigan person that another Michigan person finds the desert so interesting yeah. when I was like, how long until I get to leave this desert? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to live there. I, I, I just get to pass through. I, I, you know, I travel a lot for, for work, so I, I, I get it in small doses. But um, my second book, though, took place in the woods, right? So that's kind of Michigan. And people ask me, well, where is it? I'm like, it's the woods. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, but like Michigan or West Virginia, I'm like, just the woods. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the woods are the same. You go into the woods, you know? It's like my kids are the same way. We're going to go out and play. Where are you going? The woods, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's, and my it's second book was kind of my, my second book was kind of not really placed in a specific real location. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's the desert. Go ahead. No, I was I was going to ask you about that. So, um, two of your three books that are that are currently out um, as of March two thousand nineteen, anyway, for people listening later, um, are set in the desert. And, um, and, you know, your press release had some, some pieces and questions about, you know, your interest or, or fascination with the desert. Let's kind of backtrack just a little bit and give readers an idea, or sorry, listeners, I always do that, uh, give listeners an idea of um, what Border Sun is about, because we didn't really tell them the plot very well there. And, um, and then tell us a little bit about, as a writer, how you ended up choosing this place and, you know, cause other people might be thinking, Oh yeah, you know what? I never thought about this is the place that I is kind of my go-to place when I'm setting a story or, or maybe it's not, but yeah, let's talk about your, your view of it. Uh, well, Border Sun is, is like a retelling of the, of a pro, of a prodigal son story uh, where uh, a Midwestern father who uh, hasn't seen his son for years, all of a sudden discovers that he's in a lot of trouble in Mexico um, and then uh, decides through, through circumstances that he's got to go down and help him come back to the U.S. And he can't, because of the trouble his son is in, can't just go down, pick him up in a car and come through customs. Uh, so he's got to find a, a different, uh, different way back in, uh, back home. Uh, and, and then the group that his son has messed up with um, Obviously, is looking for him. He's done some bad things and and whatnot. So there's the there's the thrill. There's the suspense of it. Uh, but it really is a kind of a father son, but parent son, because there's a there's a Mexican American family, which is a single mom and her her adult son who's in trouble too. Uh, so it is a kind of a parent son story. Uh, having been a son and am a son to, <laughs> to my parents, and I have twin boys who are twelve. So I'm oh. able to kind of, you know, I, I'm in that phase of life where you both want to throttle them and also protect them. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and, but then the idea is like, uh, you know, what happens if one of these kids does something really bad and how, how are we going to react? I thought that was a nice question to explore. Mm. Um, and uh, so it takes place in a fi fictional town, once uh, Hurtado, New Mexico, which uh, is named after a, it's actually named after a, a Mexican gunslinger. Um, <laughs> and then a place called Nuevo Nogaldo, which sounds a little bit like Nogales and uh, uh, <laughs> Nuevo Laredo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they, these are based off of uh, Columbus, New Mexico and Puerto Palomas, which is right on the south side of the border from Columbus. Small, small little town. I think it's one of the smallest uh, border crossing areas. Uh, of the, oh. I think there's 11 of them. So, um, so yeah, so I, I was able to go out there and, and kind of experience it and then use that as the environment to, to kind of build out my place. Um, and I, I love the desert, I think, because I love spaghetti westerns. <laughs> and I think it's just <laughs> as simple as that. I just, I love them all. I've already mentioned the good and the bad and the ugly. I, I'd mention all of them because I just, I love that, that scene. I love the movie, you know, No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy, um, which took place you know, in a desert somewhere, I think Chihuahuan Desert. Um, yeah. I just, 
I love that. When I see a movie coming out about the desert, I'm like, yep, I'm going to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So then what was it like? I mean, you, you said that you had an expectation that it would be sort of scary and the anticipation that it would mm -hmm. be scary and then nothing happened. But so you have all of these movies in your head and, and now you're going to do this. I, I honestly do not think that I knew that you could walk across the border, but I mean, what do you say? I'm an author. I'm just here doing research or I'm just an American with no really good reason for being in such a tiny town or <laughs> yeah so I, well I, uh, yeah so uh yeah there's a parking lot on the american side and it was yeah really? this was this was a small crossing uh so if, if you cross in el paso into juarez it's it's massive it's uh i don't know how many lanes of, of highway and there are bridges to walk there's a lot of people walking back and forth for you know who live in juarez work in el paso uh and go back home um, but this one was small. It was a two-lane road uh, with like a metal awning over it, you know, that, that people would drive in either north or north or south. Um, I parked the car. I sat in the car for a while, watched some people walk across. I'm like, oh, I can do this, you know. Um, <laughs> as I walk across and nobody noticed. <laughs> I walked right in. I walked past uh, two of the Mexican, uh, I think, uh, military personnel who were standing there with, you know, machine guns and they were just talking to each other. And I just walked right in, walked down the street, took some pictures of the park, went, went to uh, buy a couple churches that I wanted to see and uh, did some touristy shopping stuff. And coming back was a, was a totally different. <laughs> coming back was uh, was much more intense as far as, because uh, I, I had some stuff with me that I had accumulated there. And you know, all the questions, how long are you here? What's in the bag? You know, the dog, walking around smelling stuff <laughs> you know, it, was, it was much more uh, nerve-wracking uh, wow but to go in you don't have to show papers or a passport nothing you might <laughs> <laughs> i don't know on that day i didn't have to i just went right in uh, oh my gosh so um yeah um maybe i made, maybe i broke several international laws that day and had no idea totally oblivious <laughs> to it you know well, the guy with the gun didn't stop you, so. Oh, yeah, just uh, the, the clueless American walking around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're, not really, we're not really known to be too observant of our surroundings. <laughs> so, but, uh, so while you were walking around, like as a writer, are you taking pictures? That's a normal pastime for yeah. any tourist. But yeah. I'm just wondering, like, uh, did, were you like doing any kind of voice recording to like remember this, use this, or making any notes, or you're like, no, I'm just gonna wait till I get back. <laughs> well, I, I tried that uh, on my previous book. I tried to do the voice recording, and uh, hopefully, this recording you're doing now comes out fine. I have a problem of being very lazy in my speech and not enunciating very well and just kind of <laughs> mumbling. And so I would listen back. I'm like, I have no clue what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even understand yourself. Yeah, and then well on tape, and then I would I would try to do the uh, voice voice to text thing on my phone. I yeah, tried that, and it it couldn't even understand. It was it was like I this makes no sense. <laughs> so, um, and I've been told too that I I'm, I mumble a lot and whatnot. But my wife tells me <laughs> yeah. all the time. Um, so no, what I what I I think what I do is just kind of take it in like like osmosis I think I just you know you you're not really looking for specific oh I'm not I don't need to describe the you know the stain of the rust on the wall or the, the knots in the wood I mean that's not you've read my my book it's not really kind of my thing uh, I like it the description should be feeling in my in my mind you know so yeah. the, the sound of your steps you know because it's you know the desert is it's an empty space so sound just sounds different and the smells and the, the noises you hear, just the, the heat, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the feeling that you get. That's what I try to, when I, when I say I do research, that's a lot of what it is, just the feeling, what's the feeling of the environment. And uh, rather than describing it. Yeah. That might fall into that show, don't tell, or tell, don't show. I don't know. I. I hear that a lot. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I just write the way I write. Just write the way I write, yeah. Um, well, you know, it's funny. Until you said it, I hadn't really, I mean, 
which is which is good. The fact that I wasn't analyzing your book meant that I was reading it and enjoying it. So mm -hmm. this is good. But until you said it, I don't think that I really realized that you didn't describe anything because I'm like, no, it's totally visually. Oh, no, no, it was. It was totally emotional. And I yeah. filled in what seemed scary in my head or beautiful in my head. Yeah. Exactly. I Interesting. think, you know, have, as a reader, too, and I studied, you know, literature and stuff in school, it's, I think the best, or the fiction that resonates with me is the one where the, the writer takes you up as far as they have to, and then your imagination fills in the rest. Because then your mind is working. Yeah. And filling it in. And then it becomes you become invested in it. And, um, yeah. and so and you can, you can Google pictures and see what a place looks like. You know? <laughs> and, but I can tell you, it's like, um, let's go back to my second book we were talking about. It's like picture the woods. You already have a picture of the woods in your head. You know, I don't have to describe what my picture is. Right. You know, I just have to say they were in the woods and you already have a vision of it. Yeah. And I think, and then you can get to the story. You know, and not really get bogged down in, in the writing. I see a lot of, of, of early writings of, of people who it's all about too much detail. Like, you know, I, I don't need to know. I know what a hotel along the highway looks like. And I know what, you know, everybody would like to have a diner in their story. I have a <laughs> diner in most of my stories. Everybody, but everybody knows what a diner is. You know, it's like you don't need to describe it in detail. So yeah. to me that... In my opinion, the way I like to write and read, that to me that slows it down. Yeah, it slows it down a lot. So you just kind of uh, dialogue, dialogue, and movement is kind of what I resonate with. Nice. Yeah, because now you got me thinking. I remember um, the first time that I read something that had the word California oak, and I'm like we have oaks in Michigan. What's a California oak? Is it different? And it stops me. It makes me think, oh, maybe these people aren't the same as me because this tree is different from me. These aren't my woods. So yeah. this is not my story or something like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, because now, now you're out of the story. You know, you, yeah. anything that trips you up to get you out of the story is then you got to think as, as a writer, you're giving the reader uh, an out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're, giving, you're giving them a reason not to continue because now, right. they got, now they're thinking about something other than the story. It's like what you said. Yeah. Um, I, have, I don't know if you've ever read any of the Robert Parker uh, novels. I haven't. I, I see them and I read the back mm -hmm. cover and I wonder whether or not I would like them. They're very quick, uh, but he, he wrote a, a Western series that is almost all dialogue and it's not really? stilted dialogue. It's all, yep, okay, yep, you know. But it's, you're, by the end, you're like, I totally am involved with these guys, you know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, you know, he's very quick. He's a very lean writer. Uh, yeah. he, he produced a lot. I mean, he was churning out the books every, every little bit, you know. Yeah. So it's not, it's not deep writing, but it's a good example of how a writer can write very quickly, get a lot of story in, uh, and really go for the emotional uh, connection rather than just a complete uh, sensory one. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your writing process. So mm -hmm. um, you've got three books out right now, plus, you know, however much more we'll talk about what you're working on next mm -hmm. as well, um, or what you're currently working on, I should say. Um, but what's your, however you want to describe it, what's your writing day look like, or how do you um, approach starting your story, working through the first draft, or? Um, I have, uh, this is going to be, <laughs> probably don't do this, kids. You know? okay. <laughs> because it, I don't have a schedule. I don't have a word count per day. I, um, I don't write every day. Um, I, I, have, I have a full-time job other than writing. And so writing to me is, I pursued it. As, as a as a job at one point in my life and I I didn't enjoy it as work and so for me I needed something in, I needed this part of my life to be something I did because I loved it does that make sense and I'm, yeah, not totally. to, I'm not trying to discount anybody who does it for a living or aspires to I mean I'm good you know uh, I think that's a noble thing to try but for me personally I needed to not kind of transform it into something other than just I love to do it I need yeah space in my life um so i i write uh when i when i do get down to it i write uh usually on my lunch hour in my car 
at the park. Yeah. I have a little, I have a, a like a micro uh, little computer that doesn't connect to the, to the world at all. It's just basically a word processor. So nice. I don't get distracted, you know? Uh, and so I'll sit there and I can usually, uh, most of my chapters are pretty short as you, as you notice, they, if we want to talk word counts around between 750 and maybe 1200 words. Yeah. And that's, it's usually kind of a session, a writing session uh, for me. Um, it's not final, it's, uh, but I can, it's a scene. I can usually write a scene at each lunch or if yeah. not, I'll, I'll finish it up before I go to bed that night. Uh, and then most of my writing is just thinking, I just think it out. And by the time I get down to write it, I kind of flushed it all out. Yeah. But I love, I'll be driving around and I'll have the, you know, characters in the scene and I'm talking to myself in the car back and forth, trying to find the right word, the cadence, you know. Uh, um, I, I, as you said in my bio, I used to play in bands and we used to write songs. So um, horrible songs, by the way, we won't get into that. But, just... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what I'm getting at is, is writing lyrics to music is, is all about, you know, how it overlays the beat and the, and the melody and the, uh, the phrasing. It's all about phrasing. Yeah. unique and so I kind of try to think of that with dialogue is you know what is some good phrasing that that's natural and most people speak in fragments not complete sentences yeah there's a there's my one piece of writing advice don't don't do dialogue with complete sentences people don't talk that way uh, but yeah fragments and utterances and people communicate a lot of different ways than speech yeah so I'll have those dialogues in my head for days and find, try to find the right words that these people can say to each other. And then when I get, oh, that's it. Then I write it. Then I start writing it down. I like it. So, you know, and, and even though I, I understand why you said these are probably the things you shouldn't do, but honestly, there are people listening who I want them to feel encouraged that, yes, you can not write every day and not have a word count and have a full-time job or some other full-time pursuit that you have to or or for whatever reason are pursuing, you know, like it could be parenthood or something like that, mm -hmm. or taking care of uh, parents or something. And you can produce books and yeah. get the books done well enough. You were, um, let's see, was it book one was one of library journals, best books of 2017 for your first book. I know. I was, uh, I was, <laughs> I was, believe me, we, uh, I was just as surprised as what you look right now. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. We celebrated that one for, for a good while, and uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was when you, when your first stuff gets out there, you just you just hope and pray that somebody resonates with it, you know, yeah. even if it's a small group of people, you know. Um, and so that that was that was really exciting uh, to, to see that. And uh, uh, slowly and surely, over the past couple of years, slowly finding people who resonate with uh, writing and love the books, and are looking forward to the next ones and. You know, it's a, it's a slow build. It's a, it's a marathon, right? Not a sprint. And then, <laughs> right. You know, you really do have to find each reader one at a time because, uh, you know, my own reading habits, if I think about mine, I, I jump from book to book, genre to genre. I don't, you know, I don't read exclusively one type of book nonstop. Right. And so it's like somebody says, well, I have a new thriller out you want to check it out. I'm like, well, I'm kind of in my Western phase right now, or I'm in my sci-fi phase. It's like, I, I'll, it looks interesting. I want to get to it, but I'm over here now, uh, at least yeah. for a month, you know, I'll drift back, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's how people, that's how everybody is, I think, yeah. who, who are readers. So it's easy to get discouraging when it, the pace is a lot slower than what you hope for, as far as, you know, finding readers and stuff, but it's just, it's, it's a slow, slow burn. And so, yeah. Um, but that circles back around to the, the other thing you said was that you needed and wanted this to be the thing that you continued to love. And yes. so it has pros and cons to it, but at least yeah. you're still in the place where you love what you do, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, again, not disparaging anybody who does a different mode of life than me at all. But for me, if I had the, the worry of it, of paying like rent... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, waiting for the book sales to really peak to, to I, it would be too stressful to the point that I couldn't write. Yeah. Um, be focused on other things. I would and stressed out now and and I, I didn't need that. So 
10 years ago, I, I, I tried to jump in that way and it just didn't work for me. Uh, yeah. It, it didn't work for me. It worked for other people. That's great. But it just oops, did not work. For me. Yeah. And you know what? I'm, um, I, I don't always like to talk about all the things that I quote unquote fail in, but I think that it's important to, to, um, to be, or at least for me, this is my podcast and my rules. So for me, my rule is I try to be as transparent as possible because I don't want people to think, um, oh, since I can't do it the way that Kitty did it and she's so obviously successful at A or B or C, then, you know, I probably shouldn't do it. So, um, so my listeners know that I, I tried to tell them what's really going on in my life. And I did that. I pursued it all out to like, I worked around the clock and I got um, four books to um, you know, medium, long, long, short stories. Nobody calls them novelettes. Readers don't call them that. That's the yeah. quote, correct word count and name. But anyway, so eight titles out, wasn't making a living and exhausted myself. Literally, um, you know, finally figured out that the word for while I was feeling was burnout. And mm -hmm. I didn't write for, boy, over a year. Yeah. So the whole thing was totally not working for me. I actually got a full-time job to take off the pressures of life so that then I could come back to writing exactly what you're saying. Like now I can go back to it because I love it and not because, holy crap, how am I going to like, you know, earn enough money to whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it reminded me, I had to relearn this. I had learned this once in my life already uh, when I was playing it in music and, and bands. Uh, very low level, but I loved writing songs in in like the practice rooms. I hated being on stage. I just did really? not like that. I am not that personality. And the guys I was with, they were, and they loved it, and they were great. They were awesome musicians, and a lot of a lot of them went on to to pursue that line of work. That was not me. I loved creating. I hated being in front of people, and so yeah. uh, I forgot that aspect of who I am. When I tried to jump into writing, it was like, no, I'm not comfortable there. I, I don't mind writing, and having it produced, and then having it find its way in the market. You yeah. know, I'm not good at trying to stand up in front of people and say, buy my, buy my book. That's yeah. just not what I'm, not my personality type. So, yeah, um, I, I learned that you know twice in my life now. So, right. <laughs> Hopefully, I got it. Hopefully, yeah. I got it now. <laughs> Well, now you're making me, I have to ask the question, since you were a songwriter and that was what you were good at and it went along with your personality, did you keep that up for a little while after you stopped performing? Yeah, yeah. I, now, now you, you threw in something that's probably not qualified. I don't know if I was good at it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you know, I that. I won't <laughs> say that. I enjoyed the process. I, I enjoyed it. You know, of course, I was 19, 20. That's what every 20-year-old, you know. That's right. It does. Uh, <laughs> So I, I liked creating. And before that, in, in elementary school and, and junior high and high school, I, I wrote short stories. I, I like that. I like the process. I like creating yeah. stuff. Um, and hopefully creating something that people like. But ultimately, I like the process. I like the doing it. Yeah. Um, and that's why, for me, making it as a sole point of trying to monetize it as a sole stream of my income just yeah. does not work. Yeah. I want to keep loving it. Like you said, I want to love doing it. Yeah. All right. Well, now I kind of feel like I, I need to need to ask you a hard question. So yep. for listeners who are more like you, mm -hmm. like what would you tell yourself, you know, five or 10 years ago or whatever, like what advice would you give to someone who is more your personality, more your place in life? They've got a job or something. Um, and something that helps them to keep going, don't give up, don't worry about all those rules that you hear if they don't work for you, or I don't know, what would your advice be to you? I, the advice that I learned that I, I don't know if people will take it as advice or if they have to learn it themselves is, is that whole, you got to write in your own voice thing, <laughs> which um, I know a lot of people have talked about, but you know, you start with imitation, you imitate who you like. And as soon as you can kind of get out of that and write exactly how you hear it in your head, or even speak it, uh, that's where your voice is found, the way that you tell the story. Because 
it's not so much the story. Almost every story has already been told. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So if you think, okay, it's not the story, it's the telling of the story that's unique. You know, it's, it's the way it's told uh, that makes you different from another writer because it's, the structure is going to probably be the same. And so you got to, that's what you have to find. And you find that not by imitating and then also not by self-doubt and self-talk because our voice is boring to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. It's the one that we hear all the time. It's like, okay. Um, Good point. And so what I found with my, with my first published novel, um, which I wrote, it was published two years ago, but I wrote it 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, was that was the first one that I just kind of just wrote the story and not tried to make it like something else that I admired. And when I started passing out the sample chapters, it really started getting some buzz uh, from people who thought that there was something there. Wow. And, and that was my first feedback. So I think back to that, like, you know, those, those are the things I wish I would have learned earlier is don't doubt the voice that you have in your head telling you what the story is. Yeah. That's the only unique part that you bring to the equation. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I have to say, I really like the unique part that you bring to the equation. I, I like um, suspense and thrillers. I like stuff that is... Um, not so gruesome that all I see is the gruesomeness, but um, like the reality of your story was, you know, I, I edited it in my head to be PG-13 because <laughs> I'm like, okay, dead body. Yes. I don't want to think about what it actually Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but it was so vivid. And, um, and now talking to you that I, how much I realize of my emotion that, the emotion that was in the book that I was reading and then became my emotion as the reader. I'm like, okay, that is so interesting because it helps me to understand like, why did your book work in a way that was so different from most of the suspense books that I'm reading right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, if you're curious, I, I write to music a lot in my car. So I'll, I'll write scenes to specific songs. So, and I'll listen to the song so a lot of times to get that kind of emotional, what you get out of a particular song. And so I, yeah, I have soundtracks to my books, all like, all of my Spotify account, you know, it's like, <laughs> here's cool. chapter one, here's chapter two, here's chapter three. And I don't, <laughs> I don't share that with people because I think then that, that ruins their experience. But, um, you know, because that's what you get out of music, you get an emotional response and a little bit exactly. of catharsis that way. So. I think that probably is what bleeds through a little bit. <laughs> nice. I like it. Okay. Well, listen, so we've got, um, I just have to look at my notes to get the titles right. Uh, Purgatory Road, mm -hmm. um, set in the desert and had supernatural elements, right? It did. Okay. Yeah. And then cold water set in the woods. In and the this woods. one. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in the woods. <laughs> it's so funny though, because I grew up in the woods and that's, that's the way I say it. And then I talk to other people maybe who've only lived in the city their whole lives. And I realized that they probably have no idea what I mean when I just say I grew up in the woods. I'm like, no, I wasn't raised by wolves. I'm saying yeah, my exactly. house was surrounded by trees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Border Sun uh, set in the Mexican and American desert. And I, I'm I hesitate to say anything because I just finished reading the book. I read the last page like 45 minutes before we started. I was like, mm -hmm. I have to know what happens, even though I can't talk about it. <laughs> and that was one of the other things I wanted to compliment you on. Um, I love the um, kind of the James Patterson super short chapters and a million of them. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like um, the pace is fast and I can get through things really fast. And also I don't have to worry about having to stop in the middle of something if I'm, you know, on the train or at my yeah, exactly. lunch hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I think as, when you're writing, you also have to think of the psychology of the reader too and what you're competing with. You're competing with apps and games that are just Insta, Insta games, right? And so attention spans are getting shorter. And, yeah. Um, that, you know, does that change the way you tell a story? I don't know. Maybe, right. maybe it does. It's, uh, I hate it when it's, when it's 11 o'clock at night, I'm supposed to be sleeping 
you want to get rid of to the end of a chapter in the book and you're like, I got 30 pages to go. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like my mine at most you'll have a half page. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, uh, let me think. I was because I was reading it while I was walking to the train and then home reading. I'm like reading on my Kindle the whole time. I'm like, I have to know before I talk to you how it ends. And uh, then I was like, okay. I have, I have 30 minutes. I'm just going to lay down on the couch and get all really comfortable. And it says I have 16 minutes left. And it turned out I had like six pages left and there was a, a chapter of the next book at the end. I'm like, okay, well, there we go. But at least I know what happened. <laughs> no, you know what happened. And are, you, are you glad that what happened happened the way it happened? <laughs> yes, because I like being surprised. And the no. thing about, okay, here's the thing to me. Um, what some people call formula and I like to call structure because formula has, just has such a bad, um, people have given it a bad connotation. Um, structure is structure because it works. Like yeah. everybody who's a human has the same kind of skeleton because this skeleton works for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Now granted, some people are born without an arm or missing some fingers and so their skeleton is slightly different. But what I found so interesting was that um, somehow you managed to keep surprising me in a way that, like, I knew basically there are two choices. Will so-and-so live or die? <laughs> you know, will they come home or not come home? Will they do this or that? Um, so, so, yes, I mean, can't be that surprised. But still, I would be reading, and right up until the moment I find out what happened, I literally can see it going both ways, which is awesome. Yeah, so, uh, we, uh, all three books, we have, uh, I wouldn't say fought, that's too hard of a word, but on the ending, every one of my books has a different ending that I had to redo. <laughs> so there's <laughs> multiple endings out there for these books. Um, you know, some that I like better, some that I that made it is the one that I liked made it in. Um, and we went probably two weeks on the ending of Bordersome going back. Do we do A or do we do B? What do we do? And then someday it's like, A, A sounds good. No, nope, I think B is the right thing. You know, <laughs> it's like, um, that took a long time because you want yeah. that, you know, to be surprised. And, and I don't, I want things to be end, end in a, you know, slightly unique way or different way. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, to me, that's the hardest part is ending the story. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so I'm a classic American. I like a closed loop story. The first time that I moved to Australia and watched an Australian film in the movie theater, I was just sitting there with this dumbfounded, confused look on my face when the credits rolled. So I was like, but what happened? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> the movie's not over. <laughs> they run out of film? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the interesting thing to me about uh, Border Sun was that the second to last page, I was like, oh, is this how it's going to end? And then the last page, I was still surprised, but you didn't say that the second to last page and the last page were a cause and effect. And yet I got to choose. I got to choose whether or not, you know, I thought they were related. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. that's, that's I, that, good, good. That's, <laughs> it worked, it worked, exactly. Woo, you know, that's, what I, that's, what I going, that's what I was going for. It's like... Uh, um, good. I'm glad. I can't say exactly what happened. I'm trying to... <laughs> right, right. I'm trying not to either. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm glad. I'm glad that you had that response because that that was the goal. The goal was to have that kind of response where um, you have an ending that's a little bit makes you think a little more than just uh, oh, it feels good, done, move on. You know, hopefully it just. The, the ideas are just kind of rattling a little bit further down the road yeah. you know, when, you, when you're thinking about the book, you know, and so yeah. that's what I, that, that was what I was hoping for. And I'm, I'm glad it worked for you. Awesome. Listen, this is so fun. I could always just keep on talking to writers about writing and stuff, but we probably should start telling readers a little bit like what's the next book? What can they expect? And then we'll find out where can they find all of your books, that sort of thing. Yeah. So what are you working on right now? Well, when I, as I would have a response uh, two months ago, <laughs> and that uh, I just decided to put to bed. It just was not really working. I was, I was about halfway through, and just wasn't. I was, I was not interested in it. So I thought, if I'm yeah. not interested in it, nobody's going to be. Um, and so I've been kicking on several ideas, and I think 
one of them is starting to kind of come around to where. So I guess I have nothing to, to say as far as what Not that. yet. <laughs> I don't really know, but something, something, something will percolate. Does it have the desert yet? Do you know if the desert will be involved? No, it's probably <laughs> back in the woods. <laughs> okay, good. Or the, maybe the swamp. I don't know. I haven't done the no. swamp. But it's <laughs> <That's right. laughs> there are some the pretty scary things in the swamp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, swamp stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you let everybody know where can people find you, your books, anything about you? Well, I think the easiest entry point was, is samuelparkerbooks.com. Um, that has all the links to everything else. I'm on Facebook and um, I have accounts on like Twitter and Instagram, but I don't really, I'm too old to start learning how to do that. So. <laughs> I don't, I've never Instagrammed my life. I don't think I need to start now, but I do okay. have an account out there that told me to set up. Um, so, so yeah, Facebook or uh, my, the website is the easiest to, awesome. to get in touch. And my email is on there. Cool. And I think your books are available in ebook, print, audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah. The audio is uh, is for Board of Sun. Uh, there's a sample on uh, a link to the sample uh, on my Facebook. Uh, and Will Dameron is the uh, narrator for that book. He uh, is an Audi Award winner. Um, his voice is fantastic for the story. So now that you've read it, uh, I suggest you go look up that link. It, it's just the first chapter, but you hear his voice like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> oh, I got to so, go listen. Yeah. yeah. I'm waiting to get a copy in uh, to my desk from the uh, audiobook publisher because I'm like, I want to listen to this thing. This, <laughs> this, this is the voice that I wish was in my head. <laughs> nice. So it's beautifully done. So um, I'm really looking forward to, to listening to that. Nice. And there's a possibility that there might be one or more movies coming out in the future. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that's a completely different world. Uh, you know, that could take yeah. uh, years or never. Um, the, the, my first book is further along. It's, uh, the screenplay is done, uh, or at least um, enough to pitch for all about money. You know, more money. Yeah. More money than I'll ever see, you know. Yeah. Stuff, you know? And these people are, are talking about these amounts like it's no big deal, you know. I just need you know, a couple million over here, and a couple hundred thousand. I'm like, look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's it's all about what people want to invest in to produce, and so uh, so we'll have to see. It's a you know, it'd be really interesting to see it up on a screen. I'm sure that's yeah. every writer's dream to see it on screen, but. Uh, if it happens, it happens. It'd yeah, good. it'll be fun if it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I refuse. Please don't do it. My movie, my movie. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. Samuel, this has been great fun. I've been having a, a great time um, listening to you laugh. You've got a great laugh okay. and uh, hanging out, talking about woods and knowing that the person on the other side of the screen knows what I mean. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being on the show with us. No, thank you very much. It's been a great talking.